in Jesus' name. Faith that, Lord God, worketh with love in Jesus' name. And so it's great to be in the presence of the Lord today and having great expectations. Oh, great expectations in Jesus' name. There's, um, let me just, uh, on this note here, just um, help you to understand. In Romans chapter number 5, it kind of gives us the, what I would consider the normal, normal pathway of faith, or the pathway that faith usually needs to go, okay? And so it's found here in, in, the, in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans when it says, therefore being justified by faith. Everybody say amen. amen. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the byproducts of having faith in God is that peace will come. Amen. And peace is not everything's okay. Peace is just a calm in the midst of whatever's going on in Jesus' name. And then it says, by whom we also have access by faith. Everybody say, by faith. See how important that is? Faith is a very, very, very important ingredient that God has literally allowed us to have. Amen. And then it says, unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope, it says, in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. That's what faith can help us to do. That even no matter what we're going through, we can have faith. Praise God. Can you say amen? Also knowing that tribulation worketh patience or endurance. Sometimes God will give us grace and faith to um, overcome whatever's happening to us. But the vast majority of what I've experienced, God gives me the grace and the, and the faith to go through it. That's what he does. And I'm telling you, that is God. And then patience, experience. Then I have experience. The next time around, it's not going to blindside me. It's not going to hit me like a big, huge two-by-four alongside of the head. I'm going to say, hey, I've been here before. I know what God can do. I understand where he can take me. See what I'm saying, folks? This is a normal pathway that faith will take. And then what happens is, is hope is restored. And hope is, is usually futuristic. That's what it is. You know, we hope for the rapture. You know, we can have faith in the rapture. That's good, the word of God. But you and I aren't going to make it come any sooner. And that's another one of those reasons that you and I must have faith in God because sometimes the tribulation or whatever God is bringing us through does have an end result. But if you and I cut it off in the halfway point, or if we cut it off maybe just before it's just about going to have the victory, then we lose a whole lot. And so that's why I'm telling you this is a normal pathway that God has because the end result there is that the Bible says that after hope, that um, hope does not, um, uh, is not a shame. But that hap what that means is it actually happens. It will come to pass. And that's what God has for us in Jesus' name. And you can rest assured that that's the, the, the lifestyle and the pathway. Listen, if you want to do yourself a good Bible study, study any character in the Bible. Any character in the Bible, and what you will find is you will find that sooner or later they went down this pathway. I'm talking about people like Abraham, people like Joshua, people like Moses. Any and all of those people followed this same pathway that you and I are following today. And that's why we can have so much confidence in what the Lord is doing. Come on, I'm telling you right now, God is good. Why don't you just lift up both of those hands right now and give him praise. Would you do that? Glorious God. Glorious God. Come on, folks. He's a good God. He is a good God. Ah, that's right. That's right. You're going to have faith 
and confidence in the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Mm, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And what a tremendous, tremendous God that you and I serve in the name of Jesus. I almost forgot about this um, until yesterday. And, and um, on the church, I'm talking about the denominal church calendar. Today is what they call Palm Sunday. I don't know if you've ever heard of this or not. When I was a young boy growing up in the Catholic Church um, back in Cascade, Iowa, they made a huge deal out of this. And they would bring palms into the church, and and um, and usually what they would do is they would everybody would get one if you were old enough. And boy, that was one of the highlights of our life, as we kind of arrived when they would give us one of those. And my brother and I would have sword fights with them. No, but they would just we would do all kinds of things. But it's significant. Um, I mean, there's really only one of the passages of scripture that refer to palm branches, but it's symbolic and that type of thing. And and I think you and I uh, today, and that's why I'm going to speak about it for just a few minutes this morning, I think it's worthy or noteworthy of what, what, what was going on there, praise God. Look at what the scripture says, and of course we're entering into the week uh, where we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified, and um, I just read an account yesterday on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, it was more of a medical account, and man alive, tears came to my eyes. I mean, what our Lord and Savior went through is just tremendous. It really is, and I don't want to put, um, I'm not trying to sound cruel or anything like that, but uh, the crucifixion was a tremendous, tremendous thing in Jesus' name. But one of the things that you and I have to uh, understand about God is that God, who knows the end from the beginning, praise God, um, has certain things that were going to be established. One of the things that I've always believed in, um, and, I, and I know I've had people tell me the story, well, what about somebody over in the darkest regions of Africa? How will they ever know and that type of thing? Um, and again, I'm not here to answer all of those questions. All I know is that my God, who is omnipresent, Come on, do you believe that? Amen. Is there. And the Spirit of the Lord is constantly knocking on the door. It is. And even if they didn't have a Bible, they've got stars at night. They've got a moon. They've got a sun. There's all kinds of testimonies to the fact that God is real. He really is. And there's no question about that. You know, the thing that human beings have the, um, uh, I guess, the right to do is to dismiss those thoughts. And, and we can. We, we don't have to believe in God. We don't have to. And God's not here to force the issue. He's just here to extend the invitation over and over and over and over again. Now, the Bible says, and I want to show you something here, and we're going to talk a little bit about what, does this, what is the significance of this? Why did this happen? And you and I, we can rest assured that God never does anything without a purpose. That's why the Bible says all things together work for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose, his intention. God always has an intention, praise God. One of the across-the-board intentions of God is that nobody would perish. Everybody would go to heaven. Amen. And, you know, unfortunately that's not going to happen because the scripture refers to the fact that hell had to enlarge itself. Literally, you know. And that isn't God's fault. That is the sovereign will of man. Man can do whatever he pleases. And I'm not trying to make a huge deal out of this. I'm just saying, you know, I use that as a, as a springboard for myself. If you choose not to worship God, that's your business. I'm not going to sit here and berate you. But look out. You're not going to keep me from doing it. 
And that's not tenacity. That's not just trying to, to be, you know, uh, uh, you know whatever. I, that's just my own free will kicking in. And boy, once you start realizing that, you can rise above a lot of things, you know, with the help of God. Faith can really come in and begin to give you kind of a little stool where you can get up above that and say, yeah, I can see over this now. I can see what's happening. I know this has an end. I know this isn't going to go on forever. Praise God. And I know that God is going to stay with me all through it in Jesus' name. Isn't that a beautiful thought? That's how much God loves you. And he can do all of that. He can deal with me, deal with you. He can deal with the city of New York City with 11 million pe- or 8 million people all at the same time. That's how good he is. So you can have confidence in him in Jesus' name. But Jesus made reference to the fact after he resurrected, amen, there were a lot of things that just started to kick in for the disciples after Jesus arose from the dead. You know, all of them were struggling with his crucifixion. Amen. And crucifixion is not a pleasant thing, but it's a necessary thing. Amen. It is very necessary. The sin had to be dealt with blood. And I know that sounds gross to a lot of people, but that's the way God chose it to be done. And so once he chooses to put something in action, it's going to be fulfilled. Now watch what Jesus said in, in, in Luke chapter 24 and, and verse number 44. And he said unto them, he said, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. Praise God. And he says, um, um, boy, I just am having a hard time seeing this morning for some reason, so excuse me, I'm going to have to revert to my old age here, okay? The Bible says, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. Do you see that? Now, when the Bible says A-double-L, it means it. All things have to be fulfilled. God can't skip a part. He can't just say, well, let's just take a detour here and let's just do this and forget that. That's not how our God operates. And you must understand one of the very plain truths about the things of God is that this gospel or this whatever God is doing is going to be displayed to everyone to see. Nobody's going to have any excuse when they stand before God saying, listen, I didn't know this was going on. Amen. And so here you've got it. You have God that is able to do these things. He says, he says, all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Everybody say Jesus. Now you can start to take a little bit of root here and understand why Palm Sunday is worth our mentioning. Something significantly happened during this time that sometimes we miss it. We just fast forward right to the crucifixion. And I'm not saying the crucifixion isn't important. Please don't misunderstand me. The crucifixion is one of the pivotal points in the history of mankind. In fact, it's what divides the testaments. The Bible very plainly tells us that there could not become a New Testament until there was the death of a testator. And Jesus was that person. He was the one that died for the sins of the world. Can you say amen? That's why I'm telling you folks, it's noteworthy to go through this Bible once and then turn it right around and go through it again. And then go through it again. 
and then go through it again and just make that commitment to God until the day you either die or the day the rapture takes place. I mean, commit yourself to this word because the more you can find out about what God was doing, the more faith and the more concentration and the more, um, um, you know, uh, uh, encouragement that you can have in your life in Jesus' name. And so this is what God is doing. He told those disciples everything that was happening, you know, that for me had to happen, whether you liked it or not. And so again, this is why this event here is so extremely important. And all four versions of the Bible have it. You can study it for yourself. Mark this down. I'm not going to go through them all. You might want to read them all. You know, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 6 has this story in it. Mark chapter number 11, 1 through 11 has it. Amen. It says something there in Mark that it doesn't say in some of the other ones. It says that the coat that, or the, the animal that he sat on, never a man sat on it before. Now, I don't know about you, you know, you cowboys out here, but I was a farmer back in Iowa for a while. And I'll tell you one thing about young animals. You can't get within five feet of them sometimes. You want to know why? Because they have to be broken. But here's something that supernaturally happened. God even just, you know, invaded, um, you know, nature and made that animal calm. That's the effect that God has, by the way. And that's why we need him. In most of the things that we're going through, I'm going to tell you, we need to be calm. Not just pushing the panic buttons all the time and going, whoa, you know. And we all do it, and myself included. And that's part of our human nature. It's part of our human flesh. But boy, it's nice when the Spirit takes over, wasn't it? I want to commend all of you that came to prayer last night. That was a beautiful, beautiful prayer meeting last night. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord was in this place. I mean to tell you, that's what happens when we come and we, we give Him opportunity to do that in Jesus' name. Let me just give a little instruction here for some of you. Expand that prayer. Expand into, into tongues. Expand into maybe reading a scripture, whatever the case is. One of the things that Jesus noted, and he doesn't note times very often, but when he invited his disciples into the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, which was really where the place where the battle was won. Man, study that. I mean, Jesus went in there knowing exactly what was going to happen. And we see the human will. Jesus had a human will, folks. The man Christ Jesus had one of those. And that human will was praying, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Remember that? Amen. That was a request. Amen. Because Jesus knew what was going to happen. But we understand, we know that Jesus, he settled it when he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will being done. Can you say amen? That's what prayer is made to do, in my opinion. Not the only thing, but one of the things it's made to do is to help us to press into the will of the Father. Amen. And when Jesus came back, and he wasn't being critical. He was just being observant. And here's his disciples that, you know, he was training, and he was trying to help them to become the leaders of the church and that type of thing, and they were asleep. And I'm not being critical, folks. I'm just telling you how it was. Sure, it was late at night. Sure, it was not the ideal time. But do you remember what Jesus said to them? Could you not tarry with me? Do you see that? Now, I'm not saying you've got to pray an hour every, you know, every time for God to get God's attention. But you should monthly, or at least, you know, on a weekly or on a yearly basis, be able to track times when you've at least spent an hour with God.
that you've expanded your prayer life to the place to where you didn't get bored, you didn't have to get your cell phone out and start looking up all kinds of stuff, that in the spirit you got so lost that all of a sudden you were, it was over an hour and you're going, whatever happened? It's because God came in and intervened in the name of Jesus. Am I talking to some prayer warriors here? Come on, why don't you raise your hand right now and ask the Lord to help you? Come on, I'm not making this a mandate. I'm not saying that if you don't pray an hour, you really haven't prayed at all. I'm just saying, come on, why don't you press in to the presence of the Lord? Mm. Let him do something absolutely tremendous. Come on. Come on, and you've got a lot of time in this church to practice this. Come on, we do this, maybe not for a complete hour, but we do this before every service. Come on, you could come in and join us in prayer before every service. We do this on Tuesday nights. We do this on every Tuesday night. You could come in here, and you could press into the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, folks, there's no excuse for Gillette, Wyoming. There's no excuse for the apostolic church in this town because we've set it in motion. We've said prayer is important. We want people to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want them to know how to pray. Come on, folks, lift up your hands and make a commitment to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. And so I'm, I, I'm not reprimanding you. I'm saying thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for at least acknowledging the fact that prayer is important. Praise God. And that's good. And by the show up we had last night, people are hungry in this church. And prayer is going to be one of those important platforms that we're going to have, praise God, that's going to fulfill that. You know, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's what Jesus promised us right away at the Sermon on the Mount, praise God. And, you know, to be able to pray righteously, to be able to pray in the Father's will, to be able to grow and get those roots in there, praise God. And not just, you know, pray for myself and get my list out, and then after 20 minutes, man, I've just kind of depleted that. No, to get into prayer for this nation and for this, this area of the country in Jesus' name. And so these are things that God is teaching us. This is where the apostolic church is going, praise God. And, and I mean to tell you, it is, it's just a tremendous thing that God is doing. But in Matthew 21, in Mark 11, and in Luke chapter 19, praise God, um, you have the same story, very familiar. It's kind of um, 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 notable to me after I've studied the Gospels that in some circumstances, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark are very, very similar. They say almost the same thing. And so in some of these spots, and, and this, um, this is no, ex uh, no um, exception. And then in the 12th chapter of the book of John, which is a very unique gospel because it spends a vast majority of its time, you know, talking about Jesus and his last few weeks he was here. It really does. I mean, I have followed that trail and gotten some good nuggets and found out what he was really trying to get across to these disciples by going through, you know, chapters. Chapter 11, I believe, is where Lazarus raised from the dead, you know, and that was a, a significant event, praise God. And then in chapter number 12, this is where Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem again. And realistically, right after this, this is one of the few times that we see Jesus getting upset. Now, we can't play that card all the time because he didn't do it very often, but he did then. 
And, and, and right after this, after he went into Jerusalem, he let everybody know he was coming and what the purpose of that coming was. And I'll show you that in prophecy here in just a few minutes. It was absolutely as clear as the nose on your face. Jesus let them know what he was doing, what was going on here. The lid was off, praise God. But then he went into the temple, and boy, there was just something that overwhelmed him. And he said, my God, you've made this place into a, you know, into some kind of a, you know, uh, I don't know, farmer's market. And I'm not criticizing here. I'm just saying Jesus couldn't handle that. You remember what he did? Ooh, boy, he got people's attentions then, you know. And boy, the Pharisees got more and more bent out of shape. And it was just fuel in the fire for them to do what they, they were going to do, and that is to get rid of him. That's, I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's still the deal today, that if people will not accept God, if they will not allow him to come into their life and make some significant changes, they will find a way to get rid of him. That's human nature. And I'm glad I moved past that. There was quite a few number of years. I didn't come into this until I was early in my 20s. And, I'm, and I thought I, you know, I'd lost a whole lot of ground and that type of thing. Because when I was in my teenage years and 20 and 21, I could have cared less about this stuff. I didn't really want it. Amen. And I would do what I could, just not even go to church, not even be around that. But boy, once a hunger sprung in my heart, praise God, that I wanted this stuff, oh my goodness, did that make a difference. In Jesus' name. Now let me show you in particularly here, and again, you can study this for yourself. Matthew 21, 1 through 6, Mark 11, 1 through 11, um, and Luke 19, 28 through 48. It's kind of a long rendition of it. But let me give you the shortened version here, and this is in John chapter number 12, because I want to show you where, what it, it makes a point here, praise God. And that is in John chapter number 12, and then in verse number 12. The scripture says there, it says, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, you see this? It says, took branches of palm trees. That's the place that it mentions palms. And then it says, And went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And, and Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat therein as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt, praise God. That was significant. And you say, well, this wasn't written then. And you're absolutely right. But it was written in Zechariah. Zechariah in the Old Testament is one of the greatest prophetic books in the Old Testament. All 14 of those chapters, not everyone, but most or a lot of it is, is written for prophetic purposes. I mean, it was written before its time, and it was there not only to warn, but to, to, to inform people. You must understand, praise God, once you start living for God, you know, um, you know, the warning stages will start to decrease a little bit. God will still warn you about some things, but really what he's doing now is informing you. He's getting you way ahead of the grade. That's what God will do. That's the, the, the significant benefit of living for God is that you don't have to be warned all the time. You can begin to be informed and then you can live your life accordingly. And then you're going to be able to look up and you're going to be able to see some things coming. 
Praise God. That's why I believe the, you know, the, the greatest prophetic uh, teachers among us are not the Hollywood people. They're apostolics who have been living for God, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, repented of their sins and still doing it on a regular basis, baptized in the name of Jesus and making God a huge part of their life. They're the people who are being informed. And it's not like the rest of them can't. It's not like the rest of them can't have what you and I have. But they're going to have to do the same thing that you did. They're going to have to choose to come to church. They're going to have to choose to come to prayer meeting. They're going to have to choose to study God's word in the name of Jesus. And when they begin to do that, my friend, that pathway of faith that you and I just talked about, that one's worth about three or four million dollars. No, it's worth more than that, to be honest with you. That pathway will get you through a whole lot of stuff. You'll have understanding, and you're not going to fall and crumble like a piece of tinfoil. You're going to stand up and say, my God is on the throne in the name of Jesus. We're going to get through this. God's going to do it in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody right now, you need to just choose. Oh, hallelujah. Wow. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So remember this. Remember this. Jesus said in the 44th verse of the 24th chapter of Luke, He said, boys, we had to fulfill these things. Everything that was written about me had to be fulfilled. And that's what God is doing, praise God. And this is what's happening right here. And so you can understand, just like his crucifixion, it did not happen in the back alley somewhere. Jesus didn't come to Jerusalem that day in the back room someplace. He didn't go through some gate. He went right through the front of that gate. Everybody in that city knew what was going on. And in fact, he even had some worship leaders, praise God, that saw the significance. Hosanna! Praise God. And, and in one of these renditions here, Mar, um, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or, or John, it, that's when it makes reference to the fact that they said, quiet him down. Quiet him down. And you remember what Jesus said? Come on, you remember that? You better believe it. He said, listen, folks. He said, the rocks will cry out if these don't, don't do it. And we sing that, that, that chorus, praise God, ain't no rock going to take my place. There ain't no rock going to take my place. There ain't no rock going to take my place. How's it going? Yeah. I'm here. I'm here to worship. I'm here. I'm here to worship. I'm here. I'm here to worship. You, yes. Amen now. I'm here, I'm here to worship. I'm here, I'm here to worship. I'm here, I'm here to worship you. Come on, what's that second verse do? There ain't no rock going to take my place. Come on. Oh, do you believe that? Oh, there I am here, I'm here to worship you. Come on, say it again. Come on, there ain't no rock going to take my place. There ain't no rock going to take my place. I'm here, I'm here to worship you. Let's do it one more time, amen. I'm here to worship. I'm here, I'm here to worship. I'm here, I'm here to worship you. Come on, it's not some cliche. Yes, I'm here, I'm here to worship. I'm here, I'm here to worship. I'm here, I'm here to worship you. Think about that. Every time you come in to the house of God, 
You better believe in the name of Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. The Lord in Jesus' name. So again, these are all things that were prophesied, things that were going to happen in the name of Jesus. Let me show you where it was prophesied, one of the things that was prophesied, and that is in Zechariah chapter number 9. Amen. Look at this. Zechariah chapter number, num number 9. And again, this is prophecy. This is written hundreds and hundreds of years before this actually happened in the name of Jesus. And so you and I must understand, God gave them fair warning to get informed. There's not anybody that should not have known this, amen, who was hungry and thirsty for the scriptures. And so here it is in, in chapter number 9, in verse number, in verse number 9, Zechariah, it says, Rejoice greatly. It says, O daughter of Zion, shout. It says, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold. What does the word behold mean? Come on, pay attention, praise God. Thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Now the word having there in verse number 9, it actually means to bring salvation. That's what Jesus was doing. He was bringing salvation with him. How was that going to happen? He was going to allow himself to be crucified on a tree for the shedding of the blood for the remission of sins. That's what was going to happen. And so this is what Jesus was doing, praise God. He was informing these people that right now this is happening. Right now, this is why I'm coming. And so again, that's why it shouldn't have taken anybody who was halfway hungry for the Word of God to know exactly what's going on in Jesus' name. And then it says, He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt the foal of an ass. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that is significant of? That's significant of peace. Come on, if he'd have rode in on a horse, it would have meant, okay, now we're going to get with it, folks. And does anybody remember a time when that's going to happen? Yeah, you go to the book of the Revelation, I think it's around chapter number 19, and you see Jesus, praise God. He's got it written right across, his, right across the front of him, praise God. The Word of God. Hallelujah. And he's on a white horse. And why is that? Because he's not coming to bring peace. He's coming to restore order in the name of Jesus. But right now, you and I, that's why we can feel the peace of God. Amen. And that's why this world needs to understand that this situation is still going on today. Amen. He came to save his people. He came unto his own, is what the first chapter of the book of John says. But his own received him not. Amen. And so he says, for those that, that did receive him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. And so that's what you and I are in, involved with right now. God is in the process of helping us to become the sons of God. And what a privilege, my friend. What a privilege. But you know, the unfortunate thing, and I hate to be negative right now, but you can't help it. There's a lot of people today who have pushed the Easter bunny up front and pushed God way to the back. Listen to me, folks. You can go into Walmart or wherever you want to go, and you're going to find very little of Jesus. 
you're going to find very little of what this season is really about. And I'm not on some soapbox here. I'm just trying to help you understand as a human being what your culture has done. What this world has done, they don't want Jesus. So they're going to get rid of him, praise God. They're going to put something that, that, that spells nicety to them. They're going to put chocolate eggs. They're going to put all of that kind of stuff before him. That's exactly what's going on. And you know it. Now, am I mad at people? No, I'm not mad. I got a passion, praise God, that this stuff needs to be out front. That's why when you go to your Easter celebration, you go to your place, you know, wherever you're going to go, say, listen, would you mind if I prayed? You don't have to stand on the table and preach a sermon, but you can just say, let me pray. And then you could pray a prayer going, God, I'm so glad that I know what this season really is. I'm so glad that I know about the crucifixion. I'm so glad that I know about the resurrection. And you could be a witness. You could be a witness to these people. And that's not shoving it down their throat. That's not kicking them in the shins, telling them they're bad. It's just you. Come on. Ain't no rock going to take my place. There ain't no rock going to take my place. Praise God. I'm going to let this be known in the heavens or wherever I'm at. Come on, folks, this is what Jesus was doing. That's one of the significance of this event, is that Jesus said, ain't nobody going to stop this. I'm gonna, this is going to be proclaimed to the housetops. Come on, folks, that's what Christianity needs to be today. It doesn't need to be some hidden secret that nobody knows about it. It needs to be right out there in the front. But we've, we've gotten intimidated. We've gotten scared. Well, we don't want to. We don't want to offend them. We don't want them to feel bad. Why not? Come on. Do you know where they're going? If they don't get God. And that's not me judging them. That's exactly what this is talking about. Jesus said this at one point in the Gospel of John. He said, he, uh, right out there, he said, if you don't believe that I am he. Now, he was talking to people that went to church. He said, if you don't believe that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. Now, that's not a pleasant thing for me either. But the bottom line is, folks, you and I, because we are the children of the king, we are becoming the sons of God. There has to be something in us that begins to show that. Faith without works is dead. That doesn't mean that you make people save, get saved. It just means that you display it, that you lose that, that whatever it is, intimidation that says, oh, I can't say it. No, you can say something. You don't have to say, you know, you don't sit there for three hours and pray. But you could pray maybe a 30-second prayer that could make the difference for somebody sitting right there. They could wake up. And they could realize, my goodness, I need to check this stuff out. And so this is why Jesus was, was, was taking advantage of this. But you and I, before Palm Sunday, and this is what the world has done with it, it wasn't designated as, as, as Palm Sunday. This was one of the things that was written about him in the Old Testament that was going to be fulfilled. That's exactly what was going to happen. In Jesus' name. Now remember what he said. He said the scriptures concerning me. He named three names there. At least. Moses. The prophets. And then the Psalms. Everybody likes the Psalms. You know. Let's go to the Psalms. Look at this. Look at Psalm 118. Let me show you something. 
that was, that was being fulfilled the same time. Praise God. Psalms 118. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Look at verse 14. I'm just going to kind of carve out a chunk here for you. The Bible says in Psalms 118 and verse number 14. The Bible says there, it says, The Lord is my strength and song and is become my salvation. That is such an important statement. You and I are not saved by our good works. We're not saved because we landed in the right church. We're not saved because, you know, um, you know, we're trying to do the best job we can. We're saved because God himself provided salvation. And that's what Jesus was saying when he made that statement, when he walked into that, into that city or rode into that city. Here I am. I'm going to provide salvation for everybody. And then the Bible goes on to say, in verse number 15, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord, verse 16, is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doth valiantly. Do you know who the right hand of God is? Come on, that's it. This is all prophetic. This, is, this ought to open up your, your you know, spiritual veins. And realize that God was declaring that right there hundreds of years before it happened. And so the Bible says that in verse 17, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me or punished me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. Open to me in verse 19, it says the gates of the righteousness. I will go unto them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. Look at verse 20. It says, into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. This is all talking about this time. And then it says, the stone which the builders refused became the head of, headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then he declares... This is the day which the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And a lot of people use, they like to pull that scripture out and use it generically and use it for everything. No, it's talking about the day that Jesus rode into the city to give himself for salvation. That's specifically what that's talking about right there. And that's why you and I, we can rejoice in that day. We can rejoice in the fact that our God took it upon himself to incarnate, to enrobe himself in flesh. And then he displayed himself openly, praise God, as he came into that city and he says, here I am. This is what I'm doing. Now folks, you can't get it any clearer than that. And that's why I'm telling you, your friends, your relatives, whoever they are that you have a burden for, if they have an open heart, they're going to begin to see it just like you saw it. And they're going to begin to rejoice in that day. Praise God. That's where you and I, we can still go back to that day that he rode into Jerusalem, praise God. 
and we can rejoice in the fact that our God came in peace. He came willingly. He submitted himself over to death, praise God. And because of that, you and I have the privilege to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then we get an added thing called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you something, we can begin to rejoice in the name of Jesus. Come on, can somebody just lift up their hands right now and begin to give it over for the Lord? of the Lord. Now come on, that's even while you're going through a tough time. That's even while things aren't going so good for you. You can still rejoice in the Lord. Come on, you can rejoice in that day. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And during this time of the year where people want to hide eggs and not come to church. Again, I know I'm borderline in here. I don't want to get smart alecky here. But it's the truth, folks. You know it is. Oh, hallelujah. You and I, we should be doing something to proclaim this. Facebook, put something on there saying he came. Do something. Just let it known, praise God, that he is the one. Amen. And so the Bible says, this is the day the Lord hath made. What day? The day of salvation. The day of providing salvation for all of mankind. Praise God. And then the Bible says, save now I beseech thee. In verse 25, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now, now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. And so Jesus is saying that all of this stuff had to be fulfilled. Praise God. And so this is what we see in the case of, 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 of a, a so-called Palm Sunday. Amen. And I, again, I'm not taking any digs, you know, in what other churches do. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not going to get caught up in some of that, what I call tradition. I'm not. We're going to, you know, you know what some of those churches do? They take those palms and they burn them. That's what they do. And then next year on Ash Wednesday, when people come and they get ashes on their forehead, that's where they got it. Now, again, I'm not here to put them down. I'm just saying I don't find any chapter and verse for that. And so what I'm saying is the significance of Palm Sunday is what Jesus was doing when he came into that city to let people understand here I am I am the Lord of Lords I am him and I have come riding you know this little cold here and I have come because I am coming in peace amen and that's what Jesus did and that's what you and I can begin to build on and then what you could do and I've done it many times I have stopped then after I maybe testified to people, even people who didn't want to believe what I had, you know, what, what the Bible says. And then I've stopped and I said, I'm going to pray right now. And what I prayed is, God, I pray the peace of God that goes beyond my understanding will come into this place. And that people here, there, wherever you're at, will begin to sense that. And God, I'm going to add a, a little added addendum here. I pray that they will understand the difference between the peace of God and the peace of this world, which is only temporary. 
And boy, I mean to tell you folks, the eyes of people's understanding can become opened. And you never know what people are going to do with this. And I'm telling you folks, because it's such a precious thing that God has done. Willingly, God has invited us to come, praise God, and to be a part of what he is doing in Jesus' name. Isn't that wonderful, folks? Isn't that wonderful? I'm telling you, I am so glad, praise God, that the Lord saved me. I'm so glad there was a time in my life where I recognized that I wasn't going to make this on my own good looks or my own good works, that I was going to have to get something in my life, praise God, that was going to be a lot better than any of that could ever try to be. And boy, the Lord began to deal with me in the name of Jesus. I was going to learn it. Maybe I'll learn it for next week. I don't know. There's an old song I was telling Sister Chrissy. She looks at me kind of funny when I start playing some of these songs in the 70s. Yeah, the songs of the 70s. Yeah. But there was a guy named Dallas Holm. Anybody ever heard of him? Oh, he was, I remember when I first came into the church, you know, my pastor's wife was telling me not to even listen to him, you know. He was too contemporary, and I'm going, my goodness. But I wasn't rebellious. But after a year, I asked her, is it okay if I listen to Dallas Holm? She said, okay, go ahead. And so he put out a song called Rise Again. Oh, hallelujah. Would you like to hear? I'm not going to play it because I, I, I don't know if I can, I can play it or not. I, but I want you to listen to the words. I should have been prepared here. Praise God. But um, Jeremy, you know what I'm talking about, right? You ever, ever sang that song? Did you? You should do it. You should do it because it's, it's quite a song. Amen. Um, let, me, let me see if I can find it real quick here. Rise again. Yep, there it is. Rise again. 189. It's in the hymnal. Wow. Yeah, I start singing songs out of the hymnal, man. You know you're old, right? That's what they tell me anyway. But watch this. Listen to the words of this. And then we're just about done here. If I can get the page turned. Here we go. It says, go ahead. Drive the nails in my hands. Laugh at me from where you stand. Go ahead. And say it isn't me, because the day will come when you will see, then it goes in, that I'll rise again. And this guy had a tremendous voice. Amen. It says, there ain't no power on earth can tie me down. Yes, I'll rise again. Death can't keep me in the ground. Aren't those wonderful words? I'm telling you, folks, when I first heard that after I got the Holy Ghost, it sent chills through me. I never realized that before. I never thought, I thought it was all about, you know, how much chocolate you got and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, God started to emphasize things to me. You want the second verse? Okay, it says, go ahead. Now, this is Jesus supposedly singing it. Mock my name. My love for you is still the same. Go ahead and bury me. But very soon, I will be free. Come on, sing it with me. Because I'll rise again come on 
There ain't no power on earth can tie me down. Yes, I'll rise again. Because death can't keep me on the ground. And if I was a really good piano player, I'd play this part that played in the middle of it. And he'd go all over the place on that piano and just build up the crescendo and all that stuff. How am I doing? Better off not playing a piano, right? Okay, and then after that, they'd go into this last verse. Go ahead and say I'm dead and gone, but you who will see, come on, that you who were wrong, come on, in the name of Jesus, go ahead and try to hide the sun, but all will see that I'm the one. Come on, cause I'm, come on, and then it goes into this last part, it says, I will come again, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There ain't no power on earth can keep me back because I'll come again. Then it would slow down. Come to take my people back. Come to take my people back. Why don't they make songs like this anymore? Come on, why don't they sing songs like this anymore? I'm not criticizing you millennials for all of the choruses that you've come up with. Some of them are great. I love to sing them. But why don't they sing this stuff? Why doesn't this get proclaimed in the rafters someplace? That come on, he came, praise God. He died. He was buried. But then he rose again, praise God. And this is what makes a difference, praise God, is you and I, we serve the real one. You can go back over there to that tomb, and he's not there, praise God. And so you and I understand, praise God, that these are the things that this world needs to hear. They need to hear it, folks. Some of you got moms and dads that are still alive. They need to hear this. You got uncles and aunts, you got brothers and sisters. They need, now I'm not talking about shoving it down their throat. I'm not talking about getting into a big argument with them. Him and I know, we know. Praise God. I'm just talking about letting them know. Let them know that this God that I found put real peace in my life. I've never had peace like this before. And you can have the same thing in Jesus' name. Now let's do something here this morning. We're going to come back together tonight, and, and we're not quite sure about the missionary right now. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it over the mountain. I'm going to call him after the service today. But even if he doesn't, I'm going to try to see if he'll make a phone call here tonight. And we'll pray for our missionaries, and we'll just go ahead and have a good missionary service. Come on. We don't need any missionary. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying we'll do what we can. Praise God. But you come back tonight, we're going to celebrate in Jesus' name. But for this morning, why don't you come down to this altar? Would you do that? Praise God. I hope that this hasn't been too boring for you. I hope that this significance of what Jesus did on the real Palm Sunday will have some tremendous, tremendous bearing on what you do this week. Come on, Jesus didn't keep secrets. Come on, he didn't keep secrets. He wanted people to know exactly what was going on, praise God. And would you, with me, would you pray that God would ask, and ask God to give you an outlet this week?
something this week that you can begin to let this known. And I'm not talking about a half hour, an hour. I'm just talking about something. Would you commit to that? Come on, lift up your hands right now. Let's ask the Lord to make a way for us in the name of Jesus.